I'm Kathy. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and I, uh, the thing that has stuck out to me, I think, from the very, very beginning um, of my journey into sobriety is the paragraph and uh, how it works. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. And you know, over over the years of my sobriety, um, you know, I've heard different people talk, and and they talked about what it was like. And it to me, everybody's story is different. Like I got here different than you did, and you did, and I drank with different people than you did. But what we were like is pretty much all the same. Um, so what I was like was I was selfish. I was fearful, way fearful. Um, and narcissistic and egocentric not the way that most people think of egocentric, but I, I, I had to be the worst at everything. I never had to be the best. I was the worst. Um, and I would rather live in my fantasy world, whatever it happened to be, for whatever age I was, than talk to anybody. I didn't like people. Um, I loved my dog. I loved my dog, and I loved my pony. And um, I didn't trust people. You know, a lot of reasons for that. Um, I was molested when I was very young, so I just, I just didn't trust people. And talking to people about my problems, forget that, because you know you can't talk about that. You can't tell mom and dad about that. They'll get mad at us. You'll get in trouble. So, you know, I, I drank to forget all of that. Mm. Definitely drinking was a symptom of my spiritual lack of having a guidance. Um, and I drank from a very early age. I have a granddaughter right now who is 11. I was drinking other stuff and having sex with 19-year-old boys when I was 11. And I look at her and I just go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And, um, and I drank and I drank. And I was in high school and I got pregnant because I was drinking passed out, got pregnant, decided to keep her and found a God of my understanding, had a very good relationship going on there. Very good things were happening. And then I decided to move out of my dad's house and go live with my cousin and met my ex-husband and said to the God of my understanding, I'm sorry, 
I need to be with this man, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with you, so got to go. So years go by, end up with three kids. Lots of stuff happens, more selfish, more selfish. We were homeless a lot. Um, we would take turns holding down jobs. Um, the kids, luckily, had grandparents and a babysitter that we found um, who would take care of them when we could not, which was a lot. And um, that did not get me to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I absolutely could not, and this was part of my narcissism, I believe, I could not admit that I had to have help for the problem that I had. I always told myself, today I am just going to have that one or two drinks that gets me to, and that's it. And then I would black out and come to and be like, what the heck? So fast forward, we move. We were living in Arizona at the time, actually. And uh, we moved to Wisconsin to get away from our problems and found out later you can't do that because you bring you with you. And um, got here and... Or here, got there, and um, it just went on. You know, I could I could slow down for a while, and then I'd have to pick back up, and you know, everything. It just got worse over time because there were periods where I could go a couple weeks without drinking, and then eventually it came to every day. And my family got to the point where they wouldn't allow me to drink at home. So what was my option? Drink on my way to work and at work, right? And I never got a drunk driving. I never got pulled over for that. So grateful I never hurt anybody doing that um, because I know plenty of people who have killed people doing that. Um, but that was my choice. You know, I, that's what I had to do. And... It finally got to the point where I was so drunk at work one day that I couldn't even remember what I had just told someone. So I went in the break room, and I was tired of being sick and tired. And my boss walked into the break room, and he's like, what's the matter? And I said, I'm drunk. I've been drunk at work for the last, I don't know how many years, and I just can't do it anymore. And if you knew this particular boss, you would find it highly ironic that he would say, I know someone who can help you with that. <laughs> um, so he introduced me to this person, and she lived, we lived over by Green Bay, and she lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I ended up over there for a weekend with her and the people she hung out with in AA. And she sent me home with 
a box full of speaker tapes. And that's where I got a lot of my AA for a long time, was listening to those speaker tapes back and forth to work. But the other thing that got me back and forth to work without stopping to get my alcohol was her and the, those, those two other people said, until you find a sponsor where you live, here's our phone number, you can call you know, whoever one of us you want to talk to in the morning on your way to work and then on your way home at night so that you have a chance to get there without stopping. Mm. And I was so impressed that people that didn't know me would invite me to their house, first of all, would give me their phone number and say call and actually expect me to call because one night on my way home I didn't call because I thought, well, crap, it's late. And the person called me and said, "Um, you didn't call, are you okay? I was like, what? So I eventually stopped calling them, told them I had a sponsor, didn't have a sponsor. Three years go by, being around the tables, no sponsor, listening to those tapes, trying to work the steps all by myself because, again, I don't need your help. Um, And I was dark raving crazy, Dark raving dry in AA with no sponsor. Mm. And I, there was this group of women, and you know, they would work through the big book, which is what I wanted to do, but they were psycho. And I didn't want to have anything to do with them. And I finally had to break down and ask one of them to be my sponsor because there was nobody else working through the big book. And I also really hated being at home. (laughs) So I actually started going to service meetings and stuff for one more reason to be gone from home. And I did learn about serving Alcoholics Anonymous to give back, you know, to the program that eventually was going to save my life and sanity by bringing me to the God of my understanding again. Um, But in the beginning, it really was just because I didn't want to be home. Um, So back to... I don't even know what I was going to go back to. Oh, it'll come back maybe. Um, so I ended up I was ended up being a GSR and and then I was in area service and um, that's where I met Bob. I really wish that thing would come back because I was trying to tie it back into something I said in the beginning. The cycle. Psycho women. Was it the psycho oh. women? <laughs> That's the part that I care about. <laughs> Could have been. I don't know. But it's... Um, yeah, the thing about... The thing that I really needed about that was learning to ask for help. Um, learning to know that I had to be honest with someone else. So... 
and, and the reason I really ended up asking her to be my sponsor because I truly needed to do a fourth and fifth step. I mean, I heard so many top people talk about the fourth and fifth and how it gave you such a release and, you know, especially the people on the speaker tapes and, and what it did for you. And so I was eager and I really just went into my fourth step once, you know, I got the input from her and from the Joe and Charlie tapes. And then it all made sense. Um, I was a tad disappointed after I did my fifth step though, because I did not get that sense of release from that because it took several hours um, and we did it. I would meet with her at her house for an hour before I went to work. And so we did my fifth step chopped up in 40 minute increments before I went to work. So that really sucked. That was, I don't, I don't recommend that, but, um, <laughs> but still it needed to be done and I needed to be able to, um, to go over that with someone who understood and she did understand. Um, and so by the time I met Bob, um, when I was in service, I really was doing service to give back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I, I was not looking for a date. I was not looking for somebody to date. I really didn't want to have anything to do with dating. I just didn't. And uh, we really just talked on the phone for the first year. And got to know each other that way. And the first time he asked me on a date, I was totally shocked. I was like, what? <laughs> and the twists and turns that life has taken since I've been actively sober is phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. The closeness that I have been able to have in relationships has just floored me. Um, you know, part of that, I'm the worst this and I'm the worst that, you know, my kids only ever saw me drunk and whatever. And those relationships are going to take the rest of my life to heal. And, um, I had one coworker in particular who is, my daughter's age and she and I got really close and, and I know the only reason her and I could get as close as we did is because I went, you know, what I went through being drunk and then getting sober and understanding. And from her, I've learned more how to talk to my daughter. So I firmly believe that my higher power puts people in my life for purposes that I may not know until later. And um, I'm very grateful that I am married to uh, someone in the program because even though sometimes when we're going through a spot where we're not getting along the way we ideally would like to, uh, we can come back later using the 
principles of the program and talk it out. And, and then it's not just okay, it's growth and it's wonderful and it's more than I ever could have asked for. Um, and 99.9% .9 of the time we stay out of each other's uh, recovery and every once in a while, I know I, I will cross a line because I just think I can do that. I think I'm God every once in a while because I was God for so long in my own life. And, um, but I know when I do it, I know before it comes out of my mouth that I'm doing it. <laughs> and, and it's happening less and, and I'm grateful for that. Like I said, it doesn't happen very often anyway, but um, that was just, I really believe the lesson that I have needed to learn through all of this is, yes, Kathy, you need help. You are not an island that has everything that it needs. You need some imports. So I'm really grateful to be here tonight. Grateful you asked us to speak. Pass. Right on. Good Thank you. Thank you.